this morning Tonkasapo has gone off to be with his father who's dying suddenly had a, a brain hemorrhage being hemophiliac he can't stop the bleeding so he'd, so he'd be dead in a few hours it's sudden so you don't have to live in a monastery very long to be uh, uh, encouraged to develop Marana Sati contemplation of death or was it last week tomorrow these are just the people we know So then that moment he recognised this then the mind was there to do nothing to do so the mind the doing mind could sometimes feel quite flustered and and um, agitated but then uh, for most people quite readily you shift beyond that thinking doing mind to something more emotive and feeling the sense of um, poignancy or or concern, you know, so the mind shifts to another level. And uh, but often, uh, what can happen if you're really right there, involved with it, is that your mind doesn't stay there either. You just go to something like, "How can I help? What's the intent?" Come back to so you go to a very um, level of some strength and afterwards you can go back to the emotional level you know to sort of process that but so often what occurs is the immediate thing well there's no time now to just be on that level of 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 um you know dwelling in the emotional resonances it's not to sideline these but right now one has to do something to act or to, to focus as to what's the best thing to do or for the welfare of the person who's dying or just even to um, you know, how, how do I manage this so you come to this kind of level sometimes this is a, can be a shock but uh, for contemplative this is quite a natural journey we don't have to have a shock we shouldn't have to have a shock to take us there it's something we just cultivate every day so that it's, you're no longer just travelling to that place of deep intent through, through some shocked experience, but as a normal part of, of what life is about, what contemplative life is about. And then, yeah, yeah, you can feel kinds of moods and concerns, and but then you, without dismissing them, you can come to a place almost primary before that. It's just a sense of okay. Here we are, this is this, sense of calmness. <laughs> and also one can kind of dialogue or, or move between the two levels. Just recognizing, you know, what's the, uh, when the emotional uh, ripples are felt, then which is the one we want to pick up. So you can in a way focus on a particular, uh, uh, so rather than despair, one can sense of blessing rather than uh, fear and panic you can give a sense of compassion and uh, grace just allowing this is what has to happen 
so we come to a, a level of of of, of um, more more awakened emotions, emotions that are affected by the awakening process rather than by the um, conditioning process, or by the uh, clinging process. That is. So of course, when we uh, that journey, sort of the, the shock is often reveals uh, places where we've been making assumptions, clinging, which is an involuntary uh, experience. Isn't we don't decide we go around cling to everything, some obsession. But naturally, the way our minds work is we establish coherent realities. This is this. This is today. This is tomorrow. We have lunch. We're going to car's going to work. It's going to happen, and so forth. And yeah, you know, you, you sort of stick it together. That's the way you operate. <laughs> and this is me. And I wake up every morning, and it's yeah, it looks like me. Feels like me. Looks like you know, and so on. So yeah, we stick it together. Um, that's 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 the the uh, what's called the upadana kanda, the clinging or the sticking together or the feeding on these aggregates. It's that it's just natural in a way, natural kind of thing. But then there's a kind of more um, obsessive clinging, which means that we can't, when we can't accept that it is relative, uh, we can't accept it's relative unless there's something better to go to. You know, if this is all you've got, then yeah, you know, the clinging is a little more than notional, it's a little more than just convenient. Coherence is for survival, it's for basic. Um, all there is. Sometimes it is in the, the shock of having things broken away from us that we, oh, oh yeah, suddenly you know you're at a deeper level, and you can be coherent there when bits of bits of your reality have disappeared, bits of what you thought you were or had to be or were planning on or so forth. Have gone with that kind of oh, and then oh yeah, right. Mm. You know, it's it's safe. It's okay. You know, it doesn't mean we relish separation, but yeah, it's it's not. We come to a deeper level, and this is the um, perhaps the spiritual value of Maranusati is to take us to that. At deeper level, we do it repeatedly, like Buddha Nusati, Mala Nusati, to do it repeatedly, just to get the mind to, to do that, make that journey. So you become something that you know the journey, you know that movement, you know the shift, and you can, your mind doesn't hesitate. Okay, so immediately it goes to a place of calm, resolution, um, coherence, clarity. And what's the skillful? How do we hold this? Mm. What's it like at that level? Level of intent. Uh, Awakening that. Awakening the mind. To recognize these uh, aggregates, these conditioned forms are impermanent, changing, not self. The sense of boundlessness sense of calm
some of the sense of separation shifts, doesn't it? You know, one doesn't feel so much, you know, caught up in one's own little orbit of my life and my body and my habits and so forth. Suddenly we come to something that isn't so narrowly confined. We, we can, in a way, meet each other uh, there. Remember when uh, when Iva died, and all these people in Iva's life who who uh, I was living had not always been so harmonious with. <laughs> you know, in certain amounts of conflicts and uh, difficulties and grudges and so forth. And then when he's dying, everybody kind of came to a place of yeah, you know, and they could they could come out of that. Well, everybody could, but somebody didn't. Some people couldn't make it; didn't turn up. But a lot of people were able to, to, from all kinds of areas of his life, could could meet together and just be in a place because they didn't really hadn't met each other for twenty years, they didn't know us, and yet we could all just be together at that level and have a sh- share and be reflective and appreciate the goodness and share blessings and offer well wishing, so forth. So you know, it's like this: the tsunami horror. You know, 150,000 people um, destroyed, killed, and then so many more, who knows how many hundreds of thousands of people who were alive, but definitely bereft, bereaved, um, houses gone, families gone, and so forth. Yet how many millions of people actually came together immediately, spontaneously, at a level of don't care who they are, don't care what they've done, we're going to help them. You know. They're saying they now they had so much uh, money given that they they can't they want to try and give some of it back because they can't use it all. <laughs> you know, it's that over enormous uh, gesture of uh, of reaching out immediately, spontaneously, much quicker than the than the uh, state could. You know, the, the official institutions could uh, respond. Was the immediate response of the human heart. So it's really you know, just recognizing this this quality of intent. You know, the, the, when the heart drops the boundaries, drops the separations, isn't that something we'd like to do? Or at least know how to do. You know, more more thoroughly without having to have uh, big tragedies do it. You know, we're doing this in meditation. <coughs> Not, and not just between each other, either, but you know, between warring aspects of our of ourselves, the inner conflicts, the tensions, resistances, the inner nattering and the demons, and so forth, uh, hindrances, and so on. And one thing that the hindrances and the, or even any kind of difficulty in the mind. Uh, teaches you, and it's not just a kind of classic group of five, it's maybe the leaders, the ring leaders, but it seems to be a lot more than five of them. <laughs> quite a few uh, deputies and supporters who gather around in various subtler forms under these five main heads, five main headings. You know, and then you can kind of resist and conflict and bash and gnash and 
wail and bemoan and fed up and can't stand this and oh God, what's my mind going to behave? We can be at that kind of position where we're just actually pitting one set of, of moods and responses against another set. It's like there's old karma, old habits arising, and one tends to respond to those old habits in rather habitual ways, you know, which is get out of here, this is, this is you know, either we cling to it, get involved with it, in, in a kind of uh, following it way, or we cling to, the, cling to it as something to be separate from. That's another kind of clinging. So you cling either to, or you cling away from, or you kind of retract. This is so we still, but the clinging is still to um, a level of of um, mood and feeling, and uh, what should and shouldn't be. It's a good kind of clinging in a way. But with that, we see, yeah, this this is this is I'm trying, you know, I'm trying, I'm doing good, I'm refraining from doing evil. You know, I've been doing this for years, and I've let go of lots of things, and I do develop kindness and charity and generosity and forgiveness, and still, <laughs> you know, my mind is a mess. <laughs> That's the way it can seem, you know, because the standards go up, don't they? You know, it gets so that just just kind of casually daydreaming about where you're going in three weeks time or or some little you know where is Doris Day alive or not you know trivial thoughts (laughs) like that oh stop it you know one can get these are not evil but they're 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 bothersome the silly nattering mind So we can feel a bit disgruntled, and the disgruntledness becomes irritation or despond, and then we, we stick, get stick, stick in there. And this is this sense in which we haven't really dropped. I call it dropping. Um, that's the way it seems to me to a, to another level of of uh, contemplation, of awareness, of a sense of space whereby one isn't being pulled into the magnetic current of those hindrances in reactive ways mm. see how monkeys are like this and interestingly enough it seems that the more one actually uh, establish that perspective lingers in that perspective enhances that perspective feels out what it's like to be at that perspective it's like the energy shifts it's almost as if your center drops from the head down to the abdomen so it's like boom you're much more grounded and this other stuff is kind of bubbling away on the surface but because you're not feeding it with either you know fondness or aversion it loses, it loses, it loses energy. It starts to fade out, mm. and you're in something else, which is more serene. I think it's one of the 
snags, those all, all conditions that have snags in them. So the, the I think one of the snags of the um, perhaps of Theravada or at least of uh, some teachings is the emphasis on hindrances and suffering. Not that these are to be uh, avoided, to be uh, dismissed. <clears throat> but the problem is one kind of, you know, it's, it's if you always stay in the, you always stay in that place where they're arising. You're always kind of staying there, concerned about them, and uh, a sense of concern, meaning that that you you kind of remain in their orbit. Whereas you might say, can we focus on the non-hindrance, the ease of the body when it's at ease, or the places where it is at ease, just something like that, the breathing, the okayness, the space, the silence, the non-intrusion, the goodness, the, the integrity, the dedication, you know, and then the, the things that are really rather beautiful, the generosity, the spontaneous caring, the... Um, natural sense of, of morality and harmlessness you know okay. and these are not just uh, something that's, that's bubbling up you don't find yourself kind of seething with a frenzy of harmlessness or, you know, or bubbling away with some big thing about how to be more harmless at least I don't you just don't harm things <laughs> you see some little slug walking across the path, crawling across the path, you pick it up and put it one side so it doesn't get hurt, you don't think about it, as I don't, it's a natural thing, you see some little creature, oh, it might get hurt there, so you put it to one side, you see a spider in your sink and you go and fish it out and take it outside and put it on a leaf somewhere, it doesn't become something that one's kind of, you know, and, um, churning over throughout the day, how to, how to make spiders happy, have I cared enough for them today? You know, how many spiders are there in Chithurst Monastery? What would be their fate? You know, so we're not worrying about them. You see one and you go and in somewhere it might get hurt and you take it out. Or at least you don't deliberately harm it. You don't squash it because you don't like the look of it. Yeah, that is a quite, a, quite a natural thing. And sometimes it's the, the sense of the things we've already developed. So, you know, 30, 40 years ago, I probably just splat, squashed it. I wouldn't have bothered with the thing. I'd have probably gone, ugh, splat. <laughs> Nasty spider, get out of here. That would be the end of that. And now it does, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen. Yeah. So I, it, it's that these things arise, in a way, spontaneously, but as a result of particularly keying one's attention to something like Conscience and concern, yuriyotapa, good and bad karma, the respect for other forms, um, selflessness, um, harmlessness, so the basic setup of right, right view. You know, any other creature's got as much right to be here as I do. You know, because we, you know, when we're looking at things in a total view rather than a self view, yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? So it's no big thing once that's there. So you don't, one doesn't find oneself kind of 
hooking it up and the things that we've already developed have become established for us then they settle at a level of intent yeah, they're no longer something that, that occurs because of a particular mood or, or caught up with a mood or a thought they just settle at a level of intent the jitta takes that in so then it just operates that way just like you've been rerouted the, 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 the current of the mind has been rooted that way rerouted in that direction, rechanneled so it just flows that way um, and then we don't notice it because yeah of course doesn't everybody but no everybody doesn't people go around killing and smashing and destroying and cheating and lying and drinking and so forth and uh, but then don't want, doesn't want to, not interested so they kind of just recognize that, that the <coughs> as you develop there, there is this kind of spontaneous and natural goodness that one fails to notice anymore because it's not, it's not occurring at the level of, of thinking or of a particular um, contact impressions or emotional feelings can't, you can bring it up there you know, so you can start to think, oh yeah, you can recollect and bring it up to that level but by itself it tends to just be that's settled now, that's settled now it's calm, it's easy, it's integrated and similarly, you know, even something like death you do it often enough, it becomes integrated it's um, <laughs> something that uh, you, you've integrated into your, your fundamental intent you know, your fundamental uh, mind, it's no longer an emotional shock or surprise it's you know, just a so and it all that just like Hiriotapa just like consciousness of concern just like mindfulness just like loving kindness in the contemplation of death there's another aspect that brings that makes the mind richer more boundless <coughs> we suddenly we then in that place we're more magnanimous uh, less petty, less time bound. Uh, there's much more ease with uh, seeing people past their their identities, past their functions, past their personalities. Just as this is brothers and sisters in aging, sickness, and death. And you can emphasise aging and sickness and death, but you can also emphasise brothers and sisters in it. You know a sense of that you know then you see there's the kind of joy that arises that serenity of joy that arises compassion you don't have to crank it out it just, it's there it's when we forget this that we, we lose that and we get fine detailed criticisms of so and so's behaviour or manners or speech or da 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 not that these things are invalid but so often the uh, critiques can be uh, have hidden places where we dump our irritation rather than actual uh, 
feedback to the point of helping and making the person's life more centered or richer. You see, it's just the place somehow it becomes and we just dump our irritation on. He's like this, she's like that, I bet he's doing this, he never does that kind of thing. It's just, it's true, you know, maybe, there's a grain of truth in it, but the, the dumping of irritation into it is not, not, you're not coming from the right place with that. And so often in, in uh, certainly in Sangha life, this is one of the, one of the difficulties, is that we do have high standards of conduct and behavior, and we do fail to keep them, and then how do we respond to that? Just get snappy and snarly at each other, make life miserable, or just say, oh, it doesn't really matter, lose the point of the training, or the necessity in order to train oneself and others is to deepen, so we can come to the place of, hey, look, this is going to make life uh, easier for all of us, going to make life more comfortable, going to help your mind to be more focused, do it, do it like this, you know, offering it. This is what we're here for. And that deepening death helps us there. So when we are experiencing the buzzy mind or the fuzzy mind or the twittering mind the manipulating mind, speculating mind. Mm. You know, maybe it's not some kind of intense negativity, but just kind of twittering away around <laughs> nothing much. <laughs> not not doing what it should do, not getting into samadhi. Mm. <laughs> what it's supposed to do. You know, so yeah, you know, and then it's true, and that's that's not a good thing. But rather than just dump our negativity into ourselves, our irritation into ourselves, our frustration into ourselves, our despair, you know, rather than just dump all this toxin, you know, onto the onto the uh, waywardness of the mind, and actually, you know, make it the whole thing much more. Um, Poisonous and reactive. Yeah. Is there another way? Yeah. So we just don't don't worry about hindrances. You know, another tactic. Don't don't concern yourself. Just just focus on breathing. Well, that's too subtle. Focus on recollecting death. Focus on considering people we know in the mind of. May he be well, may she be well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's simple recollections, you know, that actually give you another um, gearing. And you're really taking it into the heart. So I find it's a very uh, enjoyable thing to do, to spend an hour thinking, Mother, yeah. yeah, you're taking it to a deeper level of well, whatever, this is mother, you know, father, then teachers, friends, so forth. It's, it's a good thing to do. Nice way to spend an hour. I could spend an hour worrying about myself. 
Could spend an hour driving myself up the wall. I could spend an hour certainly eventually convincing myself that my entire life had been a waste of time. It can take wouldn't take me an hour to do that. <laughs> I never was always hopeless and useless and uh, just waiting to really gives me kicks me out or something of that nature. Don't long to do that. Oh, one can say, look, just, just, you know, what's on the, what's on the other channel? Enough of this. You get uh, a sense of nibbida is like a weariness or enough, you know, and enough of doing this thing. It doesn't go anywhere. It's not proving anything. It's not useful. Just had enough of the the aversion the becoming, the non-becoming, the me, myself, you know, that level. Just uh, dwell in something that's um, beautiful, skillful. And not just in a kind of uh, flustered way to, to compensate, but to a deeper level of, hey, this was good. No, she did do me a lot of good. You had a rough places, but yeah, you know, that was. Thank you very much. That was good. Mm-hmm. Recollecting the goodness of others, Re- recollecting one's own goodness, sometimes more taxing. Mm-hmm. Well, I did get up, and I did do. I did do my chores, and I did turn up. I did restrain myself over the peanut butter. I did. <laughs> you know. And then uh, I do do meditate. I do come and sit every day, and regularly, and put up with some cold or damp or uh, disagreeable feelings. And uh, no, no doubt about it. You know, so you're going to be there, working with it. It comes a level of um, of um, recognizing a nobility. We, we stop disempowering ourselves. Stop believing in our, in our inadequacy. We start to instead focus on our nobility. Big word, isn't it? Now we don't just push it away. Don't let the emotions push it away. What is noble? The uh, Sutta and the Buddha is asked of the uh, di- dispute over the nature of a noble one, and then the, this uh, wanderer from other sects will always crop up in Buddhist suttas and get a complete trouncing. <laughs> says, well, the noble one is one who thinks no evil, says no evil, does no evil, you know, this is the noble one. And, uh, and the Buddha says, no, rubbish. Says, you know, then surely even a newborn baby is a noble one, you know. They don't do very much, just lie there. They don't say anything bad, they can't even speak. They don't do anything bad, they haven't got power over their limbs, they just kind of kick their legs a bit. <laughs> so, they don't think anything bad, they can't think straight. Is this, this, uh, this, this is it? This is the complete development? Or <laughs> he says, no, I call the noble one is the one who understands, contemplates, knows, 
is fully aware of this as an unwholesome thought wherever it arises, wherever it ceases yeah, and through that begins to understand or contemplate the very function of thought the thinking system, how it operates and it learns to quieten it down yeah, so it's not you're actually coming to the engine underneath the thoughts but for that you've got to be able to actually have enough space to not get phased by it which sometimes there are different ways in which we tackle that sometimes you push it sometimes you, you check it sometimes you counteract it sometimes you loosen up around it one of the uh, descriptions in the Vitaka Santana Sutta the quelling of, of uh, thought function calming of thought says one, one becomes develops non-mindfulness of the thought <laughs> asati yeah. which means you just loosen up just, just don't give it any mind it's rather like a wrestling throws isn't it yeah, you probably wouldn't know but uh, you know you get one of these hindrances come up big massive thick armed wrestling hindrance it grabs you around the neck it twists your head and you go, oh, oh, so well, you, can, you can bite his arm and try that <laughs> kick him in the shins you try that struggle and kick you try that what's the next thing you do you just relax just relax and go limp and he goes hey what's happening you know, and you just slip you slither away you just relax out of it you know what some of these crafty old pack mules do when they, they, they you know people come they strap a whole load of, of, of gear onto a pack mule to get it to to carry its gear the gear so you, get, you put these big girths around the mule's belly tighten it up put this whole load of gear on it and the mule's going to struggle with all this gear you put on it so what the mule does is when he sees the person coming he distends his belly so he swells right up and then he put the saddle on it and then he relaxes and of course his, his belly shrinks so he slips out <laughs> pretty savvy <huh? laughs> so you can just slip out of a hindrance just by, just by relaxing you know, the kind of sense in which your, your mind is okay, soften slide, slide and then in that relaxing then you, you turn it to something else relax and think of something gentle turn to something that's um, uh, compassionate and gentle so you, you, you know the exercise intent that way you know how to push intent you know how to pull intent you know how to withdraw your intent you know how to enhance your intent intent is, is this kind of um, you know, the fundamental quality of mind is intent you know, it means its ability to direct, energize focus hold uh, you know, it's the power of mind and so we can have intentions intent towards loving kindness so that time your mind just focuses on that and the power of that is it pushes away aversion So, but you exercise intent in a whole range of ways so that it's to get out of the wrestler's grasp.
and you, you know, it's the kind of some of the know-how of it and you focus, refocus there's a lot more that we have going for us than hindrances and pain and frustration Then we come to something like Buddha Nusati, when you take it at a refined level, is is considering or contemplating the nature of awakening. Uh, what is it to have even one inch of awakening, even one eyelid half propped open? <laughs> what does it feel like? You know, you're not completely awake, you're not completely stupid and embedded and, and total clinging 100%. You know, that's the thing for us, isn't it? We're not, we're not asleep, we're not awake. We're kind of fitfully dozing and waking up and struggling to get out of bed and falling back in again and half awake and what's going on here? So what is it like to be a little bit awake? Yeah. Just to wake to the change of things, the shifting of things, the selflessness of things. And... and What's it like? There's a kind of, uh, to me, there's a, uh, a sort of an energy that's formless. Mm. Not doing anything, going going anywhere. It's just like a formless sense of presence that's steady. Um, because it's steady, it's a kind of attractive. It's stable. It's a place I want to go to. It's more reliable. It doesn't have any form in it. Subtle form, perhaps, but or formless. It's um, alive. It's uh, sort of bright. I try to put it somewhere. It doesn't work. It doesn't, you know. I try to name it or label it or hold it, it doesn't doesn't work. It doesn't happen like that. It's always behind that action of trying to hold or find or know, it's behind that. What is it so we say, what is it that even that knows or contemplates or is aware of the clinging or the hindrance? What what is that? Feels that knows Clinging feels like like this. Sticking it together feels like this. Planning for next week feels like this. And then, okay, sometimes that's what we do deliberately. Okay, got to do that. Feel everything narrow down, sharpen up, become sort of clear with a certain surreal clarity to it but much more hard-edged when the potential starts to disappear the openness disappears, we shut down into something well sometimes, okay we do that, you know, my flight is this day, this time you know, that's what happens but then, okay now, we don't take that as the basis of our lives, we're trying to kind of have as many of those as possible so we feel really secure and clear but as part of the result of being born here 
Because we, we have to come into that. You know? It's like this is the clothes you have to wear. But then you can slip out. Because then now we just don't need that now. This is really where I want to be. This is something I feel more comfortable with. We have taste for it. This is not just a moral uh, exhortation. This is what you should do in order to be a summoner. But, but for one's welfare, this is, you know, This is not some kind of painful thing that has to let go, oh dear, you know, but we can do this, and look, what it feels like, you know, look in the right place, don't look back at the, uh, at the, at the stuff, worrying, fretting, worrying, but just look where you are, at the place of letting go, feel it out. It's a joy. It's powerful. It's uh, an authority. Which we don't gain through holding on to positions and commands and finalities and stuff like that. You don't, even though we can try to shore up our lives in terms of assertion or confidence or positions or power or I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. It's really brittle. This is what the unawakened intelligence does. As we can see in the world. But the awakened. And the Buddha says, you know, I wouldn't teach you this if it wasn't for your welfare. I only teach, only teach you this because it is for your welfare. Therefore, do this. I wouldn't teach you this if you couldn't do it. <laughs> but because you can do it, I teach it. Yeah. I think this is really just a sense of the, the simple love and compassion of a Buddha. And uh, clarity. He's not trying to prove anything or shepherd people into some kind of belief or religion or your know, attitude. Just this is for your welfare. You know, I wouldn't tell you to do it if it would do you any harm. Because this is really the only, as far as I can see, as far as one feels, the only way out of the trembling and the agitation of the conditioned world. So spend your time, so just learning to widen your attention. Sometimes it's at the periphery where you sense the, the ease, the okayness. It's not that crystal sharp. It can be something that seems normal or obvious or isn't coming at you main beam straight in front of you. It's coming from the side or behind you, if you like. 
you know, so you develop a kind of wider vision rather than the you can be hypnotized into a very you know narrow vision to see topics which all jump up with kind of urgent impassioned clarity and intensity and we don't notice the space around or the intention behind our practice so it's you know sometimes sense of the, what I can say is a a wider in attention and it isn't just like attention as a purely like a visual metaphor it's not like that it's more like attention of the heart you know sense of how am I with this how am I how am I with this not I'm in this how do I get out of it but how am I I am part of me is out of this if you like how am I with this can I recognize that which is capable of being with this you know, trust that focus on that feel into that release through that this is the you say the deathless element of that uh, that, that realm <laughs>